Let's give them one more hand as they go. I bet you didn't know that they have Star Wars at Christmas, did you? No, you learn something new every day. Very good. Thanks, Andy. Thank you. How are you all this morning? Who's ready for Christmas? Yes. Excitement is building. Seven sleeps to go. Very good. In, um, in the Lot household, we have uh, Lucy with chicken pox this week, which is a lovely early Christmas present, a gift that shares with everyone. No, we're, try we're trying to keep it just to her. So Loz is at home with Lucy this morning and um, she is on the mend and we're just praying that no one else gets it for Christmas. So if you pray for us, that would be fantastic. And um, it's funny, though, not funny, but the most outgoing p child that we have, the people person, the butterfly, the social queen, she's the one who's confined to her room. And so when the boys go out like to school or to come to church, she's like, as soon as we walk out the front door, you can hear her running out into the living room. It's like she's been let out of a cage and she's free for the few hours that they're away. So she's probably really enjoying this morning that she's able to be out and about in her house and um, not confined to her room. So anyway, pray for us. That would be good. Christmas Eve service. Um, really excited about this. And I really hope that you come not just on your own, but that you bring someone. So the whole idea of putting on a Christmas Eve service is one, obviously to celebrate as a church that we celebrate Christmas, but to bring people, to invite people, and to um, not just come to church on your own, but to make it something that you're intentional about. So I think there's still a heap of these out in the foyer, so make sure you grab some and take one with you today and invite and bring to Saturday afternoon church, and it's going to be good. Um, just before I get in and preach this morning, just want to do a, a few things. So last Sunday, we had our farewell service for Grant and Megan Atherton. If you weren't here, we, we thanked them and honoured them for 12 years of um, pastoring this church. And so it was a great send-off for them. But I just want to say that, um, you know, in this change of season, it was like a, a closing of a chapter last week and beginning of a new chapter now for us as a church and just like it's a change of season for Grant and Megs I also want to um, acknowledge if you like or release that it might be a change of season for you as well and I just want us to be open in conversation and communication with that with where you are traveling you know some people will feel that now is the time that God's calling them to other places and I just want you to know that as the pastor now I have um, absolutely I'm fine with you obeying the voice of God and I'm fine with you being led by God as he might lead you out or he might call you, no, this is your home and you are to stay. But whatever you do, I just ask that you be led by the voice of God and that you communicate with us. We don't want to go, oh, where's that person? And find out that you've, you've left without telling anyone. So if you are, you know what I mean, God is leading you on, then come and have a conversation with us and we will pray for you and bless you and um, wish you all the best, whatever the right terminology is. But I just want you to be open about it. Um, in saying that, Jason and Anita Packett, who have served faithfully in this church, have felt that it's time for them to move on. They're moving to Sydney as a family. Many of you know that Jason works a lot in Sydney, and they've served faithfully this church, but also in particular felt a real call to serve Grant and Megs, and have done that faithfully, 
even in the, in the interim role for a few months last Christmas. And so this Sunday will be their last Sunday. And so as a church, what we're going to do is at the end of the service, we're going to pray for them. So if you want to come and join us, as soon as church finishes, we're going to come down the front, we're going to stand around them, and we're going to pray them out into this new season in their life. And we, um, it's just a way of thanking them for what they've done. Someone else who has come and spoken to me is Kyra. Now, she's not moving to Sydney. She's moving for love. Is that right? Yeah. If you don't know, Kyra has a boyfriend. And Bart, give us a wave. You can see her this morning. Sorry to embarrass you. But um, this happens in church. When one person from one church starts dating someone from another church, at some point, it will come. And we are farewelling Kyra this morning as well, because they're going to go to church together as a couple in Newcastle and so we're going to pray for Kyra as well at the end of the service with Jason and Anita and pray them into their new season as well. Is that right? Have I said all that correctly? So um, we're going to pray for them and that will be at the end of the service and like I said just before maybe that's you as well. Come and talk to us. um, I don't own you. I don't control you and I'm not offended if you feel God is moving you into a new season. I'd love you to stay. And um, after Sunday, if you don't go, you're stuck here. I'm just going <laughs> to... You know what I mean? You've got this one window of opportunity. If you want to bail, now's the time. No, but in all seriousness, even over Christmas, you know, as we go into a new year, often that's when God speaks to us about new things that he wants us to do. And I just want you to be in prayer and consideration as to what God, where God would have you plant. I know this. It's important that you plant in a local church, a church that you can love going to, that you can serve in, that you can be known in, that you can belong in. And um, these guys have done that here at Real Life. And we're praying that in their new church and their new season, they better do the same. And so we're going to pray them out at the end of the service today. So um, cool. That's all I had to say. All right, let's get into it. Isaiah 9.6 says this, For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Now a few weeks ago, or a few months ago actually, we we actually were looking at the names of God and I I did a message on peace. And you might still remember that, but God actually, this week, I was like, God, what do I want to do? One of the Christmas messages, looking at Christmas Eve and looking at today. And I felt back to go back to prince of peace and i'm um, in a ch- in a time of change in a in a season of change with one chapter finishing and a new one beginning we need god's peace we need god's peace to lead us to guide us to be with us to know that as we're stepping into new things that he is with us and his peace is there and so this morning we're going to look at the time that jesus was born the time that he was born was not exactly what you were and i would call peaceful You know, right now, you've only got to turn on your TV and see that there's parts of the world where there is no peace, where there is war, where there is all kinds of evil and things going on, and they don't have peace. And when Jesus was born, it wasn't exactly a peaceful time. The nation of Israel was under foreign rule by the Roman Empire. There was a tension between the people and the government. Earlier this year, I read um, a series of books about uh, Caesar and about the Roman rule, and they enforced their rule with swords and they enforced their rule with a, a, a firm iron hand like they were not gentle in their approach they were not democratic in their approach they were like this is how things are like it or die 
basically was how the Roman Empire ruled the, the known world. And the, the nation of Israel, or Jerusalem, is under this rule and this oppression. And so the country as a whole is not in a time of peace. The family that Jesus was born into, Mary and Joseph, we sometimes sing the carols and we look at the little nativity scenes and we think, oh, how wonderful and how, how peaceful. But I just want to paint for you a picture this morning that would suggest that this was not probably the most peaceful time for Mary and for Joseph. Let's read from Luke chapter 2 and I'll explain what I mean. Not real peaceful at the moment up there either. That's okay. Luke chapter 2. At that time, the Roman Emperor Augustus declared that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census fail known to man and Australia reproduced it this year. Verse 2. This was the first census taken when Curius was the governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for this census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem, as we learned in that video, Ham Ham, in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, his fiancée, and who was now obviously pregnant. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her first son, her first child, a son. She wrapped him in snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. The purpose of this census was a tax. Nothing like a tax at Christmas time to keep the people happy, is there? Brand new tax introduced just before Christmas. The Roman government called all the people back to their hometown to take a census, but also for taxation, a brand new cause for them. And just think about this for, for Mary and Joseph for a minute. I want to suggest to you that there would be some financial pressure that they might be under. First of all, there's the new tax, but now there's an unexpected baby on the way. As a, as a nation, they're being taxed, but now also he's got a new child on the way. Eleven years ago, we were on a missions team in Vanuatu. We were there with quite a large group of people. And one night at the um, hotel, Lozzie had some, um, what was it, beef and black bean at the, uh, at the restaurant. Uh, some of you are getting hungry right now. But that night, Loz started to get really, really sick after eating this beef and black bean. And for the rest of the trip, was sick. And we're like, what, what, is it something she ate? Is it something she drank? What, what was it? We came home and went to the doctor and found out that she actually did have something. It's called a baby. <laughs> to this day, Lozzie gets sick if she smells beef and black bean. <laughs> so if ever you're inviting us over for lunch, do not put that on the menu. Because to this day, it still triggers that memory for her. But I have discovered this. Having children is expensive. It does not get any cheaper. The older they get, the more expensive they get. Is there anyone here who's got adult children with them living at home? And you can give me an amen right now. <laughs> you can testify to that fact. Kids are expensive. Imagine Joseph for a minute. A new tax is introduced in the land, and now he finds out that he's about to have a baby. Surely he's starting to think, how am I going to afford this? These expenses are not things that I planned for. They're not things that I had in my five-year plan but they're things that have been sprung on me. I love it when expenses are sprung on you, don't you? It's like when you have kids and they say the day before, hey, I've got an excursion tomorrow, uh, the note's due, and it's $20 or $50, whatever it is, $10, you still don't have the money in the house. It's worse when it's a project that's due, isn't it? 
I've got this assignment due tomorrow and you're telling me at breakfast. Thank you. That's awesome. But anyway, Joseph has got this financial pressure. And I don't know about you, but at Christmas time, you might be under some financial pressure. I met with someone this week and on Monday they lost their job. It was just like right before Christmas. And I can imagine the financial pressure that this guy's under for his family. He's got a child, he's got a wife, he's got a mortgage, he's got those things that are on him, but he's sprung now with this new pressure or this new strain or this new cause of concern in his life. And I think it would be like that for Joseph and Mary. The other thing that could add stress is the journey. Is anyone planning on any trips these holidays? Does anyone here enjoy traveling long distances in cars with little children? Can you come and pray for me and lay hands on me afterwards? Yeah? I don't know about you, but the stress of a trip can be incredible. I, I did a little look. From Nazareth to Bethlehem is 120 kilometers. And Google Maps tells me that it'll take me four hours if I go by bus or train. And if I have a car, I can do it in about an hour and a half. But they don't have any of that, do they? What have they got? A donkey. A donkey. And the, any trip, I just want to suggest to you, a trip can add stress. You know, last year I drove up to um, my mum and dad's house at Nambucca and I went on my own. And I sat in a car and listened to what I wanted to listen. I didn't have to turn around into the back seat once. You know, those wild swings into the back hoping to connect with someone. I didn't have to do any of that. It was just... I was just, the whole way, I was just going serenity now, just the whole trip north. That's a very different trip to the normal trip to Coffs Harbour or to Nambucca with children. Because to me, it's not so much about the distance of the trip, but more the conditions of the trip and the people on the trip with you. That can add stress and can add points of concern. You know, one of those trips north, a bit of this is for you, but... Um, Lozzie and I were dating and I had a 1984 Ford Laser with um, the seat was broken so it only leant back like that so I looked like I was one of those dudes the whole time. <laughs> and we're driving north of Coffs Harbour and it had a sunroof, it was another feature of my 84 Laser, but the sunroof leaked and so it started to rain on this trip north to Coffs Harbour because I know how to treat a girl <laughs> and we're driving north and so Lozzie spent the whole trip north in the back seat behind me because the front seat was just soaking wet as the rain was coming in. That was a stressful trip north. The conditions of your travelling can add stress to your trip. So imagine Mary and Joseph for a minute. 120 kilometres. Heavily pregnant. Riding a donkey in the Middle Eastern heat. Are there any takers for that? That's going to make the Boxing Day traffic seem like a dream comparing it to right there, right now. So they're under financial pressure. They're under the strain of travelling in, let's just say, testing conditions. When they finally make it to Bethlehem, they encounter a new problem, a new cause for tension and stress, or a new opportunity to grow in their relationship together, if you'd like me to phrase it another way. They get there and there is no room in the hotel. Mary's like, I told you to book online, Joseph, but you wouldn't listen to me. You ever booked a hotel and it wasn't quite up to expectation? Yeah. Ever booked online? We had our, we've used Airbnb a few times and this July we had our first bad experience with Airbnb that there was just like, um, there wasn't one clean cup in the kitchen that you could use. It was just like grot and filth on every cup. 
The bathroom just was like hair and scum and stuff everywhere. We lasted about half an hour and we left because it was just like, it was not like it was described online, let's just say that way. Um, another one for us was the first night of our honeymoon in Fiji. We booked again, trusted travel agent. And you know how those two single beds and they push them together in hotels? That's fine if they stay together, but these two were on wheels. <laughs> and so all night we just kept being splitting apart. And after 14 years of marriage, I'd take that. Happy to have a night on my own. Good night's sleep, no one disturbing me. But on your honeymoon, you want a bed that stays together. And it wasn't, the hotel was not what we described. But Mary and Joseph don't even get a bed. Don't even get a hotel, don't even get anything. They are stuck in a stable. Can you imagine now the stress that they might be under between this newly together couple? Financial press, pressure, financial strain. The strain of travelling under testing circumstances and then now getting to the place and there being no hotel or room to stay. And on top of that, heavily pregnant, which just trumps all the rest I know. There's pressure. There is strain. Then you add to this one more final thing. Have a look at their relationship for a minute. I want to suggest to you that their relationship, this Mary and Joseph were together, had been through some testing moments in the moments leading up to this point. Let me read to you Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 to 25 to tell you what I mean. Verse 18, this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her fiancé, was a good man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus. So he will save his people from their sins. And all of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child, she will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. I love verse 24. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary as his wife. But he did not have relations with her until she was born and Joseph named him Jesus. They had a relationship that was on, then it was off, and then it was back on again, or at least in Joseph's mind. It said that before Joseph went to bed that night, he was going to break up this relationship because he found out that Mary was now was pregnant and he was ready to end the relationship then and there. But in a dream at night, an angel appears to him and he decides, no, the relationship's back on. But can you imagine for a second, put yourself in Mary's situation. Mary's told Joseph what happened to her, but Moses, oh, Moses, Joseph hasn't believed her. Joseph, in his mind, was breaking up the relationship. It didn't matter what Mary had said, that an angel was coming and that it wasn't my fault and it just happened. Joseph didn't believe any of that. It says that he was ready to end the relationship. So, yes, he obeyed God, but there's still in Mary's thing this, this seed or this doubt, I reckon. He didn't believe me. He didn't trust me. Imagine the, the tension that might be there between about to be husband and wife where there's an unexpected baby, there's an unexpected tax, there's a difficult journey, there's no room in the hotel, and then all that going on, all that stress, all that um, tension, if you like, and into the middle of that family, the Prince of Peace 
is born. Into the middle of that tension, Jesus comes and is born on that night. And this Christmas, it might be similar for you. There might be financial pressure. There might be relationship tension. There might be all kinds of things going on that were unexpected and unplanned in your life. But at Christmas time, my prayer is that the Prince of Peace would be able to come into your life, into your situation, and give you the peace that you all long for and that we all need. I don't know about you, but my prayer is that. You know, I know that this Christmas, some of you will not be looking forward to it. For some of you, Christmas is a difficult time. Maybe it's a first Christmas without a loved one. Maybe Christmas is a time where you have to spend time with family or in-laws and you're stressed about it and you're worried about it. Maybe there's the financial pressure about it. But I know this, whatever situation you are in, that Jesus coming into that place can give you peace. And it doesn't change the situation. It doesn't make those people more enjoyable to be with, but it gives you a peace to be there. And the financial pressure might still be there and the difficulties might still be there, but there is a peace there to help you go through it. Do you know, as a follower of God, as someone who has invited Jesus into their heart, the Bible actually calls you a peacemaker, someone who can bring peace to a situation where there is no peace. Matthew 5.9 says this, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. And so for my prayer for you this Christmas is no matter what the situation, no matter what the circumstance, not only would you have the peace of God in your heart, but you would also be someone that could be a peacemaker in situations, in families, in circumstances, in employment, whatever the situation might be, that you could be the person that brings the peace of God. Jesus acknowledges that peace isn't always present in our life, but it can be worked towards. My prayer this morning is that we would be able to make peace in our own hearts, but also in the hearts of those around us. You know, I want to point your attention. It says a peacemaker, not a peacekeeper. There's a big difference between the two. A peacemaker is a person who brings about peace where there is no peace. There's parts of the world right now that need peacemakers going in to them. They're not keeping peace because there is no peace to keep, but they're going in to a situation where there is war and there is tension and there is violence, and they're saying, no, we're going to bring peace to that situation. You know, so many times in life we, we try and um, keep the peace, But I think a much better thing to do is to be a person that makes the peace. Because sometimes the peace that we keep is just a front. It's just a face that we give. On the outside there's peace, but on the inside there's there's turmoil. And on the inside there's tension. And so my prayer for you this morning is that God, the Spirit of God at work in your heart, would help you to make peace. Not just a pretense of peace or a face of peace, but an actual peace within you that no matter what situation you're in, you can do it. I think for most of us, we would acknowledge that there's areas of our life where we need to make peace, where we need to at least receive peace in our situation. I read this great article. It says this, Peacemakers value authentic peace more than its distorted parody. The peace that exists between people with the courage to endure conflict for the sake of lasting peace is like gold when compared to its counterfeit cousin, which is peacekeeping. In your family at your workplace, in your business and relationships. Move towards lasting peace with courage. Assume your legitimate role as a peacemaker rather than avoid conflict in order to keep a semblance of peace that is not worth having. 
Can I encourage you to be someone who works towards peace in every situation? At Christmas, in the new year, in your work, in your family, be a person that works towards peace. Philippians 4, 6-7, I'm not going to go for much longer this morning. But I read this scripture last week because this scripture has been speaking to me all year. All year. And Philippians 4, 6-7, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. God's peace, which exceeds anything that you can understand. It doesn't matter what situation you find yourself in. When His peace comes into that situation, you can have the peace of God. It doesn't remove us from the situation, but it gives us the courage and the peace to stay in and work through that situation so that there can be peace. Just very quickly, that verse gives us a few things. It says, don't worry about anything. Have you ever noticed that when someone's worried, telling them not to worry doesn't work? <laughs> Anyone ever discovered that? Not worrying is one of the hardest things, I think, for our human nature to be able to do. When we are worried and we are stressed and we are concerned, simply being told not to worry doesn't really help. But we all know, don't worry about it, don't worry about it. But how do we actually do it? I think it's this, that when you find yourself worrying about something, instead of worrying, replace that worry with a prayer. Even if you've never prayed before, or it's been a long time since you prayed last, God is still listening. And you can talk to him like you're talking to me, or you're talking to people after service today. So next time you find yourself with a worrying thought, next time you find yourself getting stressed or concerned over something that is beyond your control. Don't just say to yourself or don't just say to your partner or the person that's being worried, hey, don't worry about it. You've actually got to replace it with something else. Replace it with a prayer. Replace it with a petition to God, a conversation with Him. When you pray, it says this, tell God what you need. Tell Him where you need the peace. Tell Him the help you need in a relationship, the financial thing, whatever it might be. But also thank Him for something. Think of at least one thing this Christmas that you can be thankful for. Because to me, thankfulness and gratitude are great keys to having peace in our life. When we can acknowledge that, yes, God, I have a need. I need some help in this area. But I'm thankful for this. I'm thankful for my health. Or I'm thankful for my family. Or I'm thankful that I am alive today. Or I'm thankful that I live in Australia. Be, find one thing to be thankful for. And the verse finishes by pointing to Jesus Christ. It says, the Prince of Peace who wants to come and give us the peace of God. It says this, live in Christ Jesus. That means we accept Jesus into our life. We believe in him. We believe in the Christmas story. We accept that the only way we can truly experience peace is to invite the Prince of Peace into our life, into our situation. Wherever you are at, whether you're here this morning and you don't know who God is, or maybe you know who it is, but you're, if you're honest, you're not experiencing the peace of God in your life. The answer is allowing Jesus into your heart and into your soul and letting him do a work within you. My final scripture this morning, Revelation 3.20 says this, Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. As we finish this morning, I want to pray for that peace of God to come into your heart. I want to pray that you would go into this Christmas season with God's peace within you. No matter what the next week looks like, 
For some of you, it's a joyful time. For others, it's a hard time. I acknowledge that. But I know that no matter what your situation, no matter what your circumstance, we all need the peace of God to lead us and guide us. And just like Jesus came 2,000 years ago into a town, into a place that was in unrest and going through some stuff, God can come right now into your situation, into your life, and give you the peace which transcends all understanding to lead you and to guide you. I want us to close our eyes across this room this morning if we can. And kids, just to be quiet for a moment or two. You've been very good this morning. Take you out and give you some sugar after this to reward you. But just across this room this morning, I want to pray for you if you need the peace of God this Christmas. There's a situation, there's a circumstance that's causing stress, that's causing concern, that's robbing you of your peace. Could I pray for you this morning that Jesus would come in and give you the peace that only He can get? If that's you, I just want you to raise your hand right across this room. Say, yeah, God, I need that peace. I need your help and your guidance to help me be a peacemaker, to make peace in my heart, but also to make peace in the lives of those around me. Just raise your hand. It's between you and God. God, I pray for every person with their hand raised, for every heart, for every circumstance, for every situation that is represented. And God, I just speak and declare your peace into their heart right now, Lord God. Your wisdom, your guidance. I pray that your Holy Spirit would lead them and speak to them and show them how they can be peacemakers in their family, how they can be peacemakers in their workplace, how they can be peacemakers in their home, how they can be peacemakers in their community. God, we pray for your peace to come, not only for our benefit, but for those around us. God, we pray for our our world right now. God, we lift up the nation of Syria to you this morning. God, we ask for your peace to come. We ask, Lord God, for the people in power and people in positions of authority to be peacemakers, Lord God. For you to do a work in their heart first, Lord God, that they would be able to make peace. God, for the organizations that are working amongst those people, Lord God, that are serving them, the humanitarians, the missionaries, the government officials. God, I pray that right now, today, you would be with them. Give them peace in their heart in the middle of a difficult situation. And God, we ask for your peace across this nation, Lord God. Lord God, whether it be on the other side of the world or whether it be in our backyard, we ask, Lord, for the Prince of Peace to come and to make a difference. And just with all our eyes still closed, if you're here this morning, you don't know who Jesus is. You don't know the difference that Jesus can make in your life by coming in and being in a relationship with you, by leading you, by guiding you. You know, Jesus came to the earth that we could have the gift of eternal life. That gives you peace beyond anything because you know that when this life finishes you spend eternity with him and the only way we can experience that is by inviting Jesus into our heart and accepting that the Christmas story is true it's not just some story we tell kids but it's a story of truth because it's Jesus coming to the earth to give us a hope and a future and by inviting Jesus into your heart and accepting the truth of who Jesus is you can have the gift of eternal life And if you're here this morning and you'd like me to pray with you to accept Jesus into your heart, then I want you to just raise your hand where you are now too, just so that I can see it. You can say, yeah, that's me. I don't know who Jesus is, but I want to get to know him. I want to know the difference he can make in my life. I want to invite him in 
and go on this journey of discovering Jesus and the life and the hope and the peace that can be found in Him. You just raise your hand right now if that's you. God, I thank you. No matter where we are, no matter what our story has been, there's always time and there's always room to invite you into our hearts. Pray for every person here this morning. I pray for those that don't know you, God, that you would do a work in their heart today, that you would draw them to get to know you. I pray that you would reveal yourself to them this Christmas. They would come to know who you are and the difference you can make in their life this Christmas. In Jesus' name, amen. going to hand back to Josh. Just remember those that want to come and pray with Jason, Nita and Kyra. We're going to do that as soon as service finishes down the front. If you're not here on Christmas Eve, have a great Christmas. Remember Christmas Day lunch is happening. It's not too late, is it, guys? Maybe. Nearly. Last chance. See you guys today if you want to serve or come or be involved in that day. But yeah, if you're not going to be here on Christmas Eve, just want to pray that you have a great Christmas. If you're travelling, that you'd be safe on the road. You don't get under too much stress on those trips, but that you would enjoy this Christmas wherever you are choosing to spend it. And um, for those of you, Christmas Eve, I hope to see you here, four o'clock. Face painting will be popular, so get in early. You want to get your face painted, don't you, Bron? I can just see it all over you. Anyway, thanks, Josh. We'll see you Christmas Eve. Thanks, Lily. Awesome.